1: and gentlemen, boys and girls all over the world, the globe, same thing, galaxy, wherever you may be listening to this podcast, you know the voice, you know the time. It's Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team, the number one podcast on the video game development, lifestyle, and anything related to, <laughs> I totally messed that up. And with me this week to help me host the podcast is the only person who really does know where Waldo is. This is Brandon Fam,
2: I got him, Larry. This is Brandon Fam. Welcome to this week's episode. I brought a special guest for us this week, Richard Lico.
1: Oh, my God. You got the name right. Yeah. yeah. Man, Brandon, <laughs> you're like five for five on the past Bailed guests, it. and we've had some tough ones. <laughs> this is awesome. I don't even know. Nice so I just go
2: with it now with my guts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so How's much for joining us. Man.
0: No, thanks for having me, man. This is Awesome. <laughs> And uh, where is Waldo? <laughs>
2: he was underneath my bed the whole time <laughs> <laughs> Well, Richard, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Before we start, do you mind going over your resume, give our audience a little glimpse into your past?
0: Sure, sure yeah Um, well, I, I, uh, I actually wasn't an animator to start with um, uh, my current job is animation director at Polyarca, a, a studio I help. Um, but, um, I started out, um, as a student at SCAD Savannah college of art and design as an illustration major. Um, and, uh, this was back in the mid to late nineties and, uh, you know, toy story came out and blew everybody away. And I quickly switched my, my major to, (laughs) uh, to computer art because animation actually wasn't even a major back then. It was just computer art. This generic thing that, um, was supposedly going to get you a job. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so um, close to graduation, I sent out, you know, my reel on numerous VHS tapes with an accompanying photo book, um, which costs a lot of money to apply for jobs with. But um, I managed to get myself into um, a job doing um, um, animated billboards on the side of um, the highway in Atlanta, Georgia. So, okay. you know, when you're when you're driving down the road and you see the like the, the billboards made out of those gigantic light bulbs. Um, that say tonight on TNN and it has a logo that spins. Yeah. I was, I was the dude that made that shit spin oh, oh, nice. unstoppable, man. I just, <laughs> <laughs> we all had to start somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh, they actually had an SGI workstation to generate the spinning of those logos. Um, and I used that to, to practice animation and to make an animated short, um, which got me into my first gaming job, um, at sunstorm interactive. Um, we made uh, riveting titles like um, Fire Rescue 911, uh, Deer Hunter, um, <laughs> Clowns vs. Aliens, which actually was a good game, but somehow yeah. that one didn't get released. Um, yeah. Carnivores, a bunch of other really um, not wonderful games. Um, spent a couple of years there as the only animator um, for all the projects that they had, which meant that I had a lot of titles under my belt after two years, but um, I didn't actually have a mentor, so I had to kind mm-hmm. of. Teach myself how to animate. Actually, uh, before getting that job, the only experience I had animating was um, practicing when I was working at the the spinning logos, um, teaching myself how to animate there. So, left Sunstorm, got a job in Madison, Wisconsin with uh, Raven Software. Um, They were awesome. We worked on Jedi Academy, um, Quake Four, and X Men Legends, Mm -hmm, and that was a lot of fun. Um, Ended up getting uh, my first lead role. A couple of years after that at uh, Monolith in uh, oh, Kirkland. Nice. nice. And uh, worked on Condemned One and Two and then a little bit of Fear Two. Um, that was a lot of fun. That was about three and a half years. And then uh, left there for Bungie and spent, up until very recently, uh, over eight years at Bungie um, as uh, the animation lead there for many, many years and then the principal animator towards the end there. Um, and now I'm at Polyarch. Um, a bunch of friends of mine and I are just trying not to screw it up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to ask the question that the audience is dying to know: What's better, animating for games or animating spinning logos? Seriously,
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. Those logos are <laughs> from the hell out of that thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of love for for you to to switch at the same time to be a self-taught animator, especially in the early years of game industry. Like. A lot of the students are taking for granted how uh, there's actually programs now or at least uh, uh, certificates that you can earn <laughs> for learning <laughs> learning yeah. game related. So yeah, very lucky. It's YouTube nowadays. It's like it's insane how much resources there are. You'll be surprised that how there's a lot of students still not. Being able to to at least compare quality uh, and and be up to snuff, but uh, the resources are out there, and and, and we hear this a lot. And a lot of the self driven, self taught artists like yourself make it really far, and that begs to question. Maybe this probably answers kind of the topic of this week, but uh, something I want to dive deeper is like why, why, why did you leave? <laughs> at such an established place because usually people die at a certain place, uh, that like Bungie that would last for years and years. But, um, at least Larry and I, we've met a lot of high profile, uh, game developers like yourself who, who are making that jump to go indie who are making that jump to do something, uh, riskier.
0: Yeah, it's, well, it's yeah, it's riskier, but, um, (laughs) I don't know. Like, all right, working eight over eight years at a, at a at one studio, and you know, we made we made Halo, and I worked on Halo. We made we made Destiny. I worked on Destiny. I was the first animator on Destiny. Um, oh. and it, it you know it was it was a lot of fun, but you know, um, Destiny is a is a long term thing for the studio. They were working on it for many, many more years, mm-hmm. and um, you know I released my 2014 reel, which went over really well, and then I released my 2015 reel with animation from the the Taking King expansion, yeah. and I, I got to looking at it, and it it didn't look any different to me, and I didn't I didn't feel like I was getting any better, mm-hmm. so you know I, I started thinking about what what I could do um, to, to maybe improve, maybe do some work on the side, uh, something like that. And, um, you know, some of the other guys at Bungie, they they quit mm-hmm. and they went to form their own studios and mm-hmm. they were actually good friends of mine. You know, we hung out all the times. So we even mentioned it a few times over lunch. Maybe we should do this one day. And then they actually got the balls and did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Guys, I'll 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 help you out with your animation on the side because I'm like, yeah, it, it'll be fun. You know, I can I can mm-hmm. just do it, you know, do what I want to do on, for fun on the side and, you know, unpaid just just to scratch that creative itch. And, um, I really liked it mm-hmm. and they got funding and I'm like, yeah, I-, I could do this every day if I want. So I, mm-hmm. I, I, am. And it's, uh, it's cool. Cause now, um, like when you're at a big studio, like Bungie, you know, this, when I left, they had close to 700 people. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. In, in the I studio? was like employee number 87, I think somewhere around there. Yeah. And By the time I left, it was like 700. It was like insane. So like I put the stamp on the box, you know, like, and it was, it was an awesome stamp, but I had fun doing it. But you know, it was like my, what I got to do was getting smaller and smaller every year. Mm -hmm. Um, And now um, I'm the only animator we've got, so I say animation director, but I'm only directing myself. It's kind of a bullshit title. Um, uh, yes.
1: But you know what? At least you're going to say, like, Hey man, I'm the only one. So <laughs>
0: there's a lot of a people for the future, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I'm doing all my people. own rigging wow. and learning how to script and I, I model some of our characters mm-hmm. and I'm getting in and helping design the combat system. And wow, it's amazing. I'm having so much fun. hmm And I'm broke. And it's great.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely, yeah, yeah, I mean, Larry and I can relate to that. I mean, we love, after working at Slitchhammer, we we appreciated, we weren't 700, but we were Mm -hmm. getting there. Like, I think by the time we left, we were like 250, growing to 300 or something ridiculous. Oh,
0: I would have expected it to be larger.
2: I I think they're growing but we're I don't two think floors, it's 700 man. worth. Yeah. Same building with two floors. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a call of duty every three years for you guys.
2: Yeah. yeah. So it, it got to a point where, yeah, uh, the things we wanted to do got less and less. So I, yeah. I definitely understand that aspect of wanting to be in a smaller team, maybe doing more than we're, we're used to and having more responsibilities, taking on mm-hmm. more risk. And that's the thing. Like you hear this from engineers a lot too. Uh, They can make a lot more money (laughs) working at Google or or be like Ray at unity or whatever. (laughs) He's a mutual friend, but they love games for a reason. I think in our industry, we have certain types of people that like the challenges and if the challenge is not there, it becomes empty in a bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I got it. You know, Bungie was an awesome studio and I was really, really lucky. to be in that situation so it was i mean not an easy decision to make and i still really miss miss the crew there and and the work there Mm -hmm. destiny was an amazing project to be a part of and i'm I'm, you know i just i'm so thankful to have had it and i you know don't want you know like this jump was merely a a creative opportunity and that was that was it Mm -hmm. So for all the people out there who follow destiny and, you know, maybe some of the fans who might want to go
1: play the game and see some of your work, do you have one or two, you know, like feature animations that people could see in the destiny game from any of the expansions? that you Oh yeah. Uh,
0: if you uh, run around as the player, that's me um
1: (laughs) oh shit yeah larry i did the game everything (laughs)
0: well the the, i directed the first person animations we had a guy named david helsby that was doing a lot of the hands-on work but i still animated a bunch of the first person like the first person sniper rifle um some of the rocket launcher some of the rifle stuff i did um but third person i'd say about 90 percent of it was me wow um (laughs) most of the supers um running around in the tower running around in third person that was that was all me and then um uh, the um, uh, Runtime Rig, which was a technology that we created to, to help solve additive layers and a lot of the complex uh, runtime playback stuff. Um, that was uh, um, me, and I, I actually uh, helped design the system. And yeah. then um, M. Armstrong, who's the CEO of Polyarc now, and uh, Eric Brown uh, were the, the guys that implemented the Runtime Rig on the engineering side. Um and you know, when you play the game and actually you run around and you're aiming in all these different places mm-hmm. and throwing a grenade and coming and blending out of a melee and doing all this and it actually comes together nice. That's actually the runtime rig and how that all solves it. But,
1: yeah. Yeah. So I take it now, when you send out your demo reel, you also send them a controller.
2: To... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea. <laughs> a Keeping yeah. them those VHS tapes I just send out. <laughs> Holy shucks! Yeah, it's seven hundred ninety-nine non-animators, and then Richard. <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the the team was huge too. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff to do.
0: Yeah, they. You know, it was know, something like 13, 13 animators, I believe. Oh, I'm, man that's pretty low out of 800 yeah it was it, you know that that was mostly combatants cinematics stuff like that um right. and then um we had you know the the first person animator and we had uh we had some people pitching on third person play every once in a while for crouch nabs and stuff like that right. um but yeah it's, it's a small team compared to like a lot of other studios
1: so let me ask you this, then when Activision gets the deal with Bungie and they're like, hey, you guys are going to make destiny for the next 10 years, you know, it's great to hear that you're going to have security. But like as far as, you know, your creative interests, right, knowing that you're going to essentially be on one project and one type of game for a decade of your
0: career. Like, how does that settle with with the team, if you don't mind? Well, I mean, we're all happy to know that we're going to have a paycheck for 10 years. That was the sure. um, yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was well. The, back when when we signed Destiny, it was a it was a weird time for the studio because you know we had just gone independent and mm-hmm. um, uh, we were walking away from Halo, which was you know, essentially what Bungie was known for. So it was a it was a risky time for the studio, but you know leadership was really smart, and I think Destiny was a really good decision because it didn't stray too far from what our fan base was expecting of us at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and hearing that, oh my God, we're going to be working on this for ten years. It's like, well. You know, at least we get to invent and in, invent what this is, and yeah. it's not some project that's being handed to us that you know somebody else is directing. Mm-hmm. So we were all just super excited about the the opportunity for it, and it, it didn't even dawn on me that I'm going to eventually start feeling a little stale with it. But um, you know, it took a long time before I even started feeling that way, and it wasn't until yeah. the 2015 reel I, I released that I started feeling it. But. You know. Yeah.
1: That was a an uncharacteristic move to me because you know knowing like a lot of the big publishers they'll say hey we're gonna try something new so let's give it three years and see how it does with one game Activision from the start is like hey we're gonna try something new ten years <laughs> win confidence. or lose
2: yeah it's it so ballsy cool. yeah. seriously. Those are kick-ass kick concept art, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, who, who came yeah. up with the pitch that
0: got them to throw in? It's the best I pitch guess. ever. You know, we actually had a, um, uh, what was it? We, um, it was a, a small group of us working. Uh, we had two buildings back when we were in, in uh, downtown Kirkland. Mm-hmm. And um, during the day, I'd work on Halo Reach trying to close it out. But in the evenings, I'd I'd go and I'd, I'm sorry, in the evenings, I worked on Halo Reach. But in the daytime, I'd actually go work with a small group in a separate building. Mm -hmm. And we were working on pitch videos that we're going to send to Activision. So I actually got to animate um, all the characters in those pitch videos that we that helped get the project signed and help move it along. So it was really awesome experience to be, you know, to see the back end and see how it all comes together we really are talking to the guy right Right now this is is
1: so awesome
2: (laughs) (laughs) well like how 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 big was the team before the pitch got approved you mentioned in the end it it eventually grew to 800 but not for destiny one but obviously destiny two or whatever but how 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 big did a balloon and how was that the the culture and and the change from
0: your perspective I was at the start of a big hiring spree that Bungie went on to, to to staff up for Halo Reach. So we ended up getting up to, I think, like 200 people at the end of Halo Reach. Um, the crew that was working on the pitch for Destiny, there was, I don't know, 20, 20 of us, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, memory's a bit foggy on that. We're all in this pretty big room. Um, it might have been like 25, but... Um, And then when Reach was done, um, some of the contract employees uh, didn't get re-signed, so we shrank back down a little bit. Um, But then Destiny grew up to, I think we immediately went up to, like, 300-something people. Wow. And then over the course of Destiny, it just kept slowly creeping up higher and higher and higher. And since Destiny is not like, you know, you ship it and everyone says, oh, God, thank God we're done. We shipped it, and we can go on vacations now. There's, you know, DLC. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, live events. There's all these things. There's you know, emotes to release and all that kind of stuff. So there's never downtime. Yeah. So the, the team just kept slowly creeping up and up and up. And I'm, I have no doubt that they're over 700 by now. Right.
2: (laughs) How did you, (laughs) that's like a whole city. Uh, because we only grew up to half of that before we left, but imagine doubling that. Like you're meeting someone new every minute,
0: Oh, the new hire emails! They send out an email every time somebody gets hired. <laughs> it's, like, it's like rapid fire coming into your inbox.
2: That's straight that's up fancy. to junk. Yeah, that's straight up to junk mail. I'll see you when I see you guys. <laughs> Man. I can't
1: even imagine the click or the groups of friends that like, you know, like we all kind of came in together. So this is the group of people that know each other. Then this is the group of people that knows each other. It almost kind of like is like tree rings. Like you see like, oh, these are the 10 years. These are the five years. These are the three years, the two years. And then this is the January. This is the March. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) It totally
2: worked like that. Yeah, that's really tough. Like, how do you maintain? I mean, you guys must have done the kick-ass job maintaining like the studio culture getting everyone involved in some sort i mean in every company no matter how big it gets it's pretty much like the person left of me and the person right of me those are my best friends <laughs> that i see every day
0: outside of that it doesn't matter anymore it's just it's just whoever you sit next to really but well, they moved us around a lot it was yeah. constantly like musical chairs in the, in the office um... right right so you're constantly sitting next to new people. Uh, the animators though, we were pretty tight. We all sat together most of the time, and V was with us. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah V, Vera Swan, shout out.
0: He was <laughs> yeah. also on the podcast was, as well, so he was amazing. He was right. doing our first person animations with me. He was, he was a, he was a workaholic man. He, Are you he, serious? That's,
2: yeah. yeah,
1: he, he did a good problem. job. Larry <laughs> 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 L- doesn't believe you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I know he's going to hear this, and he's going to hear me say that. So
2: that's, uh, <laughs> it's good to rib your friends every now and then. So. Ooh. Speaking of the itch all right so you you've always had this desire to do something on the side to always improve and this like encourage you to to make the leap uh the funding helped, I bet, but it always <laughs> your curiosity was always first so was this something you always had throughout your career being a self- taught artist you're always striving to be better and you how did you balance that with the uh, working eight hours a day and stuff
0: uh you know um... Yeah. I, yeah. I have always wanted to improve and, you know, cause it's, it's a tight industry and, you know, you, you get outdated really quickly in this industry. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I just took on little freelance things on the side or, you know, I just do some animations for a friend uh, a few years ago, buddy of mine was releasing a, a tofu, the vegan zombie action figure. So I did some promotional videos for him and, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Just whatever little side jobs I could take on, I just do um, whenever I could, just to stay fresh. But it's tough because of the amount of hours you work in the gaming industry, and I've got I've got three kids. Mm-hmm. So um, usually my spare time is you know going to my son's soccer game or right. you know um, finding out why the toddler's crying. You know mm-hmm. so. so so how do you find the time?
2: <laughs> this is where I'm always curious about. Like, how, where is that time? Is like, do you not sleep? Or it's just straight up. Where's the sacrifice? Yeah. You got to sacrifice something at
0: some point. Inefficiency. Mm. Yeah. It's so, all right. Bungie doesn't really crunch anymore. Bungie's really good about like um, respecting the work-life balance. So I actually, my last few years at Bungie, I didn't crunch at all, which is amazing for this industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably making you think, why the hell did you leave there? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But at Polyarch, we don't, we don't crunch either. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're being as efficient as we can with the time we spend at work mm-hmm. um, but it's it's also um, back when I first started you know I'd do everything manually when I was animating um, and I, I didn't look for the shortcuts as much because I was so involved in the creative aspect of making the animation and nowadays it's like oh yeah give me all the mocap you got or mm-hmm. you know oh this physics tool yeah I'll write that that'll help you know anything I can do to just make it so instead of this animation taking eight hours to make it takes five hours, three hours, one hour, something like that, just to to shoot it down. Um, The more content I can get done, the faster I get home to see my family. The more family time I get, the less divorce I have, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true, man. You you leave work
2: (laughs) working for a boss and then you go home and you got to please your other boss, which is your wife. (laughs) <laughs> and then you gotta make sure they're happy. And then she's finally, to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah she's she's the room. Definitely. She's like, i oh, will get that guy."
2: <laughs> and then, yeah, then you get that time after nine or ten p.m. to do like a couple hours of something to improve. Yeah, and it's it's always yeah, these days. It's not yeah, it always impresses me when I hear someone who's actually doing all that, and it's just, it's just so crazy. It really is. You gotta really love it. I mean, that's really yeah. gotta be the only reason why, right? To keep you going. But yeah. at least you're scratching both itches, right? You're doing your indie stuff with your new company.
0: Yeah, it's now
2: it is work, so you're kind of getting time back a bit. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you don't have to work work extra to do it. Yeah, it's it's my work day. Yeah, that's that's awesome.
1: So I want to have a a back in my day moment where since you've been in the animation game for quite some time, especially in the early days where there weren't as many tools and resources, do you have a animators? You don't know how good you have it moment or story, like comparing what you do now and the tools to your disposal compared to when you had to be a self-taught animator with no resources back in the day.
0: Oh my God. Uh that's a really good question because there's so many ways you can go about an answer for something like that mm-hmm. everything from school like i teach at ianimate and i you know i know a bunch of the instructors there and being able to learn from like the 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 other the other teachers that work mm-hmm. there not me but those other teachers sure um uh they're so good like if i was a student and i got to meet you know, my idol making games that I wanted to to make one day and actually learn from them. Holy crap. How good of an opportunity is that? I know you guys run a school too. Mm -hmm. And just, Oh geez. Like what kind of a crazy opportunity is that like for students? And it's, it's amazing that they don't, I shouldn't say they. some students don't get how big of a deal that is. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's, it's a little shocking. Like I I look back to um, like documentaries you see about film and how, the guys used to get to work with like the nine old men, the Disney animators mm-hmm. back in the 2D days when they were, you know um, you know, making, you know, like sleep, i not sleeping, um little mermaid and um, um, beauty and the beast and all that. And those, those new animators learning from those, those masters, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like I animate or animation mentor or your guys school now where you get to really just suck the brain power out of these people but it's it's also, like, back in the day, we had 3D Studio Max as the primary animation package using Character Studio. And, um, you know, things like I rotated the elbow, which keys all of my fingers. Fuck, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just how the fucking tool worked. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so much better now. Um, and just all the tools, like, just Maya has gotten so much better over the years. And, um, God, it's just night and day difference between back then you didn't have rigs, you know, mm-hmm. back when I got the job at monolith, there was no animation rig. They gave you a bunch of bones with a mesh attached to it and said, go. Mm-hmm. So, so we had to like, Oh, okay, let's figure out how to rig and and then, you know, go from there. And now you go to a studio and they hand you the animation rig that a rigger spent time making for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's broken. And then you, you hear people bitch about that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just and can fix it. Why are you bitching? Seriously, <laughs> they gave you a fucking rig. You didn't have to make it yourself. Congratulations.
2: <laughs> you have no idea what it was like. You're <laughs> off my
1: lawn. Yeah, I remember when 3D Studio Max and Character Studio were separate. They were not oh, wow. You one go one back, back with him. Yeah, they were not one and the same. Are? Uh, i've been doing 3d modeling for a very long time and then i stopped for a very long time <laughs> and did design <laughs> but anyway it's not about me it's about you i'm just saying i remember when they were separate that was awesome yeah i don't
0: even remember that far that's amazing
1: oh uh, yeah so i'm talking like but maybe 96 97 something like that Oof. character okay. studio was like a plug-in or some shit i don't know it just wasn't and like <laughs> 3d studio was just 3d studio and then it was 3d studio max and then it was just oh, max from then on
0: it's- See, they taught soft Softimage at my school. Oh, man. You learned XSI? Oh, this was before XSI. Oh, oh okay. Image. Gotcha,
2: gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, see? You were uh, one of, uh, what? I think they had a total of
0: 5,000 or something <laughs> before they shut off. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they had a keyframe limit in Softimage where you can, in one scene, you could only set so many keyframes before it wouldn't let you set any more keyframes. <laughs> that's the well
2: <laughs> so they can sell the DLC. <laughs> so you've been through a lot of generations of consoles. All right. So this is a little opinion piece of, you know, this little gamer, the game developer in you, like, how do you feel about nowadays? Um, not just animation, but just the overall glimpse of the industry or where we're heading. I mean, this might be what you're working over at Polyarc, but what the future of game industry um what hopes you have for us
0: well it's all right so uh, you know growing up i was a huge competitive gamer um Mm. so i uh, i didn't have friends i was too busy playing games you know but um uh so i got to you know you know it's interesting seeing how from the atari all the way up till now things have stayed the same yet changed and it's been a big focus on the same input that we've had since the atari which is you have a a screen and you have a pad or a controller or a stick in your hand. And, you know, you, you interact with that world in this very abstract method. And we've gotten very used to that over the years where, you know, I press the A button and Mario jumps. Um, And now we're getting into a world where where everything's changing, where now, um, you know, mobile, you're actually touching a screen, which is this whole new input that we've never had before. Excuse me. And now with um, VR, you know, you're not just, you know, pressing a button to have a character jump anymore. You're actually reaching out and picking up the damn character with your hands, you know? So it's, it's, the industry's just taking this huge, gigantic leap all in this very short time frame, starting with mobile up through now, where it's gone from a screen and an input device to, to all of these vast options that we really don't even fully understand yet. So, um, one of the things that, that I found really appealing about what we were doing at Polyarch. And one of the reasons I chose to go, go join them was it's VR, right? Mm -hmm. So, so now you take away that, you know, you have this screen and you have an input device, which is something we've all grown accustomed to. But if you actually think about it, if, you know, you've got somebody who's never played a video game before and you presented him with that, it's a very abstract notion. So when you actually put this the, the, the set on and you're actually moving around and you can reach and interact with things in a way that you would if somebody was standing next to you or, you know, if, if you were just you know moving something around a desk, you know, um, all of a sudden it's, it takes away that level of abstraction. So then, all right, well, what does that mean? Like, well, how do we leverage it, and what do we do with it? And, um, you know, you can still have you know, press left and your character moves left on a movement stick. Um, but I don't think that's the future. I think that that is um, a bridge, really. it's It's a way for us to take our understanding and apply it to this new paradigm. So um, you're gonna start noticing games, um start using that bridge and start doing things in in more interactive ways like you you see a bunch of you know vr movies where like the the rabbit comes up to you and you're a rabbit and you look down Mm -hmm. um and then the aliens are shooting their thing and it's it's this cool thing because you're experiencing this big moment but nothing's boopable like you can't really Mm -hmm. touch it you can't really move it and then there are other games where you're in this first person you're grabbing things climbing rocks or flying around like a bird um, but it's it's relying on a lot of the core concepts of the old school gaming mechanisms, um, just adding in that that, you know, reach out and grab type technology. But people are going to start figuring better ways to interact. You know, they're going to start pushing the, the envelope further and they're going to start really playing with the, this sense of immersion in ways that that we've never seen before and then you're going to start getting games that feel more like real life and less like this abstract thing that we've all grown up with and it's the industry's just taking this huge turn right now that we've never seen before and it's 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 great to be part of like driving where we go with it like making that turn that was a long-winded one that's good though. that's that's a perfect one so, it's perfect because
2: you were mentioning before you did most of Destiny's first-person animation. And now you're at Polyarch and we're talking about VR. And you're mentioning also that the input was pretty abstract, right? We're giving a player a controller and telling them to press X and they'll do something. But now since you're VR, we're relying on everything that we've been accustomed to, right? You're relying on reaching out and everybody's reaching out, grabbed something before. So, how much of that has change your workflow uh, uh is there any ver- more first person type of animation anymore or is it outside of the player reach now that you're animating
0: well I, well what we're doing at, at polyarc is is more tabletop where you've, you're oh, nice you're, i mean we're going to make a big reveal E3. um uh so you guys will learn more about it there, but, um, you know, in, in general, it's, it's, um, you know, you, you control a mouse and the mouse is on this tabletop and you, you look around you and you're in the forest with the mouse. Right. So, um, you know, that's what we're focused on. There's plenty of other games that still do traditional first person, even in VR that actually there's a lot of them. Most of them are in first person doing VR. So you're going to still, still see animations like that. Um, but, um, what, what I find interesting, what's really changed the way I think about animation is before it was like um, one of the things a good gameplay animator does is you know you press you know punch right um, the X button for punch or whatever and then the character punches and then how that animation works how the effects work how the re- recoil on the enemy works and all that kind of stuff it results in what either feels good or bad in, in gameplay like in destiny when you run around shooting a gun just the act of moving around firing your weapon and seeing the enemy react like we focused on that like intently, like just laser focus on it to make that moment to moment gameplay feel really good. And that's the language that most of us speak is, is that, that stuff. But now that I'm, I'm working in VR, you know, we've got this little mouse and she has a sword. So when, you know, I press the button and she swings the sword and we make that feel good. That's stuff I know how to do. And I'm, um, I'm excited about it, but in that way of like, it's visiting an old friend, but now it's like, you know, I can you know, be looking at her, but something's happening off to the right and I'm not looking at it. And then I can have her point to it mm-hmm. and excitedly look at me while she's pointing to it. And then I turn my head and I look at what she's pointing at and there's an enemy cresting over a hill. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden she's a gameplay partner, not just a player character. Yeah. And I'm building a relationship and I'm actually communicating with another person that I've never been able to do before with animation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, another example is like you—you you, know—you can make noise, and the the headsets, like the Oculus or the the Vive, will will hear it, and um, it, you can actually use it as an input. So right now we can kind of go like make it like a wind noise,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then her ears will swivel to hear you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And all of a sudden, wow. you, you can't do that on a console. Like <laughs> <know>. that's crazy. <laughs> Like it's it's you know you giving try. her emotional reactions. Like People if you
2: will look at you crazy, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> like if you're doing all things with the controller, we can have her look at you and be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> and it's it's all stuff that you know you, you can do in VR that you've you've not been able to do before in a traditional console game, and it's all because of that natural interface that VR gives you.
1: Well, let me ask this then, since VR is allowing people to look in, you know, 360 panorama, that kind of means that it's more work for everybody, right? Like, <laughs> there's less less to hide if you're doing a cinematic, for example. If you're in the world while the cinematic is playing, you just basically have a world that's moving all around you. There's no camera shots, it's scenes, you know what I mean? So, yep. how has your workflow changed or your workload changed, given that you now work in complete 360 all the time versus... Most of the time, I guess.
0: Well, you know, we we were very smart about um, the type of resources we have, the time we have, and um, the medium. So we designed it with that tabletop in mind, meaning anything in the, essentially the 180 degree in front of you is is where all the action happens. You could turn yes. around and look behind you and there's forest back there, but nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So all I had to do was, instead of thinking about it, you know how like video games, think about it like movies, where you, you see... um you know, a film and then the, you know, there's a lot of camera animators that come in and help animate the camera to make that feel right and all that kind of stuff. Well, in VR, you're the camera and where your head moves is, is where you're looking, right? Mm. So we don't need to worry about the camera. So we actually set it up like a stage play where all I have to do is worry about the things on the stage and then how they get in and out of the stage and then where we shine the lights, the spotlights. Um, and that just makes it actually easier on me in a, in a way, because now I don't have to worry too much about filming it with a camera. All I have to do is just get these evocative performances. The, the, the thing I do have to worry about now, though, is in the past, in, the, in a cinematic, um, you know, you knew where you're filming it from. So you can craft your performance to that. But now someone can just get up and kind of look around and check out the butt of the mouse, you know, <laughs> from an angle I had never anticipated because yeah. they stood up and walked around, you know, and that's um, that's adding extra work. Mm-hmm.
2: what's exciting about the vr especially for animation but everyone kind of has their input but the same way that when you talk about a pixar dreamworks type of film you're mostly talking about the character in animation no one ever really talks about the environment being of environment artists so i'm not sour or salty i understand but like you know the oculus having their own kind of pixar team they had that hedgehog film that was out earlier that actually got an Oscar or something, or, or got some rewards or awards. The Henry, Henry yeah, the one, Henry one, one right? Henry. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool, and so it's turning a lot of heads in Hollywood. Some might even say that the VR storytelling element of these type of, type of animation is kind of like the future, like or at least a medium that they want to explore. So. How excited are you (laughs) when it comes to that? I know you're super excited about the possibilities of what you're doing that weren't uh, possible before on on a flat screen, basically. Like there's a lot more, like you said, that is still being explored. Do you see somehow at some point or it's already happening that there is going to be some type of... uh, merging of the industries through this medium especially for an animator like yourself
0: yeah definitely yeah it's i mean if you think about it like wouldn't you want to be right on the field watching a football game
2: Mm
0: -hmm. (sighs) of course like who wouldn't like that's that is the obvious next step for vr wouldn't you want to be at the front row of a dave matthew concert or you know you know, be right next to the president as he's giving a speech or, you know, there's just so many uses for this medium. And I I think that when um, when it gets more consumer friendly, like you're not tethered to a computer or, you know, you have proper input devices or it's not in this big, heavy thing that you sweat in. And then all of a sudden you can't see because you fogged up the lenses like when they solve a lot of these problems, um, you're going to start seeing all these industries use it. And then the moment, you know, you can sit on the side of a, you know, a football game and and just look around, like you're actually at the game, Mm -hmm. um, everyone's going to be buying it. Right. And then, then you're going to have a situation where there's so many, you know, units in houses and, you know, the saturation level is just going to be huge at that point. Like no one thinks that, you know, like um, I couldn't imagine anyone thinking, Oh yeah, this this flat picture on 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 my wall, this is the be all end all of of visual input devices. Like that's no one's thinking that. Like everyone wants the holodeck, right? Yes. So this is the next step to to get us there. And it's just it's I'm not gonna say it's gonna remove TVs, it's not, but um, it's certainly not limited by the current technology. And every year that goes by it's gonna get better and better and friendlier and all these other industries. And I, I know they're already looking into what it would take to, to get involved in it. And games is just like a fraction of that, you know, and environments, they're a big deal, man. Like you look around yeah. and you feel like you're in the woods. <laughs> that's, that's what totally I've been sad. saying. Man. Thanks for throwing
2: me that bone. That's what I've been trying to. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: you guys are so damn important. Like, I honestly, I think it's the, the two big standouts for games yeah. is going to be the environment. You really feel like you're in it. And then seeing characters that don't look like idiots.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, the designers are unemployed.
2: Yeah. Designers, we don't need you guys. <laughs> we got to really figure s- out how to make it all work. <laughs> we can sit in the room and just stare at something <laughs> being animated. And that's the whole game. It's like, this is the coolest game ever. But like, what's exciting is, and I, I hear this a lot, like the movie industry, um it's always looking for ways to people to go into theaters right they're raising the ticket prices uh yeah. tvs at home are getting better uh you're, you're getting access to a movie in the theater like two months later everything's digital so it's faster so the reason to go to the theater is is for for, for you know the just old nostalgia kind of feel hanging out with friends it's it's a very uh in the future, unnecessary thing. Like it, it, like once you have a home that has the best screen that you can afford, you have your Blu-ray. I mean, you can, you can, you can copy the experience pretty well. So they're looking at VR, I think as a way to, uh, you know, bait people into the experience who, who can't afford a VR set. So uh, it, it's very exciting because I, I can see the VR industry, kind of pushing audience or uh, viewers to go into the theater and everybody coming out with a different experience based on their VR set. Like it, it could be more interactive yeah. that way, which is kind
0: of cool. And it's going to be social too. Like yeah. the, what um, Facebook was showing with their, um, their implementation. I mean, it's still a year, a few years off, but I can't wait. That's, it's a cool use.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Until no one leaves their home anymore. And <laughs> everyone's just plugged <laughs> into the VR set. <laughs> Dude, the, the Wachowski brothers told
1: this was happening, like, yeah. years ago with yeah. The Matrix. So, <laughs> anyone who didn't know is late to the party. Yeah. You spoiled the ending, man. <laughs> well,
2: it's good for our generation because we'll be in the transitional period. We're not hooked on it yet. So, we can still experience outside of it. Yeah, yeah my kids it. are screwed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our kids are definitely screwed. Like, I, I don't <laughs> see how you can not like going on vacation on a VR headset. like people are not going to go anywhere anymore so
1: yeah well richard i know you basically have been helping destiny form its identity through your animations and giving players an opportunity to express themselves with emos with all the stuff that you've done for that now working at your own company with your friends and doing stuff there is there anything that you're still excited about as far as personal career goals as an animator Oh god! Like any people I, you want to work with, or projects that you want to have your name on as well? That kind of stuff. Well, you know, I've always wanted to make
2: a Street Fighter game, but uh-huh. um,
0: a fighting oh, game. Oh, we got a fighting game player here, huh?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes sense. You know, being an animator,
0: you can't. You yeah, can't, well, you can't really mocap that stuff too much. So, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 you know the the funny thing about a fighting game is it's it's like the perfect marriage between gameplay design and animation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like the pinnacle of what I want to be able to, to do. But, um, you know, fighting games are, are um, pretty old school in, in their their uh, their method of interactiveness. You know, I think um, for honors doing a really good job of uh, yeah uh, breaking out of that mold. But um, I don't know. Like, it's, I I'm a student of animation, really. So like um, I just want to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. I just okay. want to keep growing my skill set. Um, I don't ever want to be pigeonholed as the guy who's, who does X, Mm -hmm. you know, I just want to keep anytime I feel pigeonholed, I want to reinvent myself. So I just, I just want to keep growing and just keep getting better. Um, I really can't say there's any specific projects out there that I'd, I'd want to be a part of, but, um, you know, just, just having cool opportunities is is good for me and and, and the ability to grow my skill set and um, wow. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what what happens with Paul Eric and seeing what we're able to do, hopefully not go bankrupt you know.
1: Yeah Well, you'll see us at e3 for sure man. <laughs> oh yeah yeah, I, I got my confirmation. I'm there. Hell yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean has that drive always been with you to to strive to be better? I mean, that, oh, com- yeah. that comes and goes for me. It's like you know, I kind of want to just sleep tonight, <laughs> but like it—it it is a special, special thing that that really keeps you up and wanting to do it. And you've been in the industry for so long, and I mean, it's pretty crazy that you still have that that urge.
0: Yeah, it never went away. It's—it's it's, um, you know, back at at Bungie, I was I was uh, I started out as a lead there, mm-hmm. and I was a lead for six years. Mm-hmm. And then, um, they wanted me to continue going up the corporate ladder there and they kept, um, trying to urge me to, to manage more people and to start growing in the, in the business side of it. And, um, I had a decision to make where, you know, I was like, well, do I want to become a better animator or do I want to just grow my career more? And it, it meant, meant more to me to just become a better animator. So I, I declined and, um, worked with them on a position that allowed me to keep my salary and keep my benefits. but um, Continue to focus on being a better animator and mm-hmm. being a mentor to the team. And I think it's it's moments like that, and then again leaving Bungie to 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 do this polyarch thing. It's just, I mean, it, it, I've I've just discovered that it, you know, that's what I want out of life. Okay. And um, you know, the the corporate ladder, the you know, the it took a big pay cut to to do the polyarch thing. You know, that stuff is secondary. And you know, just just being creative and just having that outlet and having an opportunity to do what I love for a living—that's what means the most to me. That and my family. So finding a situation where I can be as creative as possible and still take care of my family—you know—that's that's what I want. And I just want to keep growing like that. It's like you know, you know, the um, the old samurai sword makers. You know, I, I think about them a lot. Where you know, you, you had these these guys that would practice folding metal, um, making these swords and they just do it their entire lives. And it was to just get better and better and better at it. And they, they, you know, they think about it all the time. They'd meditate on it. You know, they, they just, uh, did everything they could to make the ultimate sword, you know, and that's how they spent their lives. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how long we have on this earth, but, uh, um, I just I found what I love. And, you know, with this time that I have, this is what I'm going to do with it. Man,
1: (laughs) I really need to make sure I find some good music to go with that when we edit. (laughs) (laughs) That was was really good.
2: (laughs) Well, it explains a lot. I mean, like when you when you go when you go for you wanted to be better, it's not a surprise that you made it so far. Yeah, in your career yeah. like everyone sees that your passion definitely shines through it's not like Bungie's gonna hate you if you ever want to come back <laughs> it's like you have that oh, no, door with
0: those yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
2: exactly like you're at a place where you can try something and it's secure enough for you're not like destroying your career or anything it's 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 the cool thing right but making those leaps who knows like 10 years from now it might be a different story. And I think that's one of the, the great things that, that we can have. You do have a choice. It, it is crazy though. At a certain point, people might, will say if they get to the point where you were at Bunchy, that's the highlight as in I'm ready to retire <laughs> stage, but you're, 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 you're climbing and you're digging through. Um, So I, I'm looking forward to what you guys are doing over there. I mean, it, it is exciting, oh. right? I, I think when I, at least um began in the industry i i at a certain point the teams did grow like crazy but my best memories were when uh are we were in a small group and were working on stuff because it it just
0: makes sense i think for what it, we do it makes it's sense It's so much fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's when we started it was five of us in what it amounted to a, a storage closet for another studio that we were renting the storage closet from. <laughs> and uh, we are in downtown Seattle across from Pike place. And um, this January we moved into an actual office, but man, just the five of us in that, that sweaty ass room. Um, it, like that was heaven. Like that, that was, it was cause you know, we, we just did whatever the hell we wanted to do. And, and, you know, it's just uh, one of the reasons I joined this team was because it was people that I knew really, really well, trusted and have uh, just a tremendous amount of respect for every one of these people that I work with at PolyArch. So it was like, you know, the perfect team to, to do this with and to have that creative opportunity with. And there was going to be no conflict, no strife. And it was just going to be all of us sitting together doing what we wanted to do for a living. And, you know, people that shared that 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 drive to to just fine tune our craft and just be as creative as we want. And it's, it's, it really is heaven in a situation like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, you know, we're going to, we're going to get big, hopefully get big someday, you know, if, if we do, if we do everything right. Um, but, you know, I think I'll always look back on the days when it was just the five of us and be like, yeah, that was it. That was, that was so much fun.
2: Is there a sweet number that you feel is appropriate uh, as in big, like how big is big?
0: for you guys I don't, it depends on the project really it's like five of us wasn't enough mm-hmm. um we're at um 15 now and we're capping it here for for our first title um for many reasons but um 15 is a really sweet number because we pretty much got our bases covered for everything we need um but, if we were to take on a bigger project in the future mm. fifteen wouldn't wouldn't be enough. Mm. Um, we had a team at Monolith, and there was i don't know like uh sixty to seventy people making condemned one mm. and that was a nice size, given the scope of the project and the ambitions for what we were doing um and you know i I knew everybody and we all got along and it was a it was a fun time so i think that my expectations on what a big team is is just going to change depending on what we're trying to do um let me tell you right now being the only animator at polyarc is is awesome (laughs) because i get to make my own decisions and i'm the you know if there's a mistake i can just be like rick you're an idiot and then have an argument with myself you know (laughs) but uh it's it's a bit um i am looking forward to maybe hiring another animator or two on down the road because having somebody to bounce ideas off of is really amazing. And uh,
1: the reason why I laughed is because when you said I'm the only animator, it reminded me right away. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. So like the scope is going to be very limited to your capabilities as well.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is what we're doing for our game, right? Yes. (laughs) So like, what what was the biggest thing that you noticed um, working at Polyarc versus your previous experiences what was the thing that like made you feel I'm sure before you felt like this was the right decision and everything, but once you settle in, it's like, all right, this is what I miss. This is, this is what I thought it would be like and it's coming true. Well,
0: it's, um, you know, when I, when I was, when I was a kid, you know, Mario came out, Zelda came out. Um, and I used to love Nintendo games back in the NES days and it, it you know, it was part of who I was back then. And I remember telling my sixth grade teacher, you know, I'm going to make this shit for a living and I'm not going to do my damn homework tonight. Damn. So. <laughs> but it, you know, my heart was in it. I, I really loved those. Like it, it actually stirred something in me. So when I took the job at Polyarch, it was, it was like going back to those feelings that I had as a, as that kid and working on something that I just keep dropping this USB thing. I got to put it away. Um, it, it, it just felt like home to me. Like it felt like, you know, all my, my training and my experience has, has made it possible for me to be here. Now, now, now I get to, to embrace it. Um, did I even answer the question? Holy crap. Where did I go with that one?
2: No, no, no. I think, I think you are like, I, I can totally relate to that. Like my favorite experience. I haven't been in the industry as long as you have um, only maybe a decade, but out of all the projects I've been at, my favorite experience of working within a team was back at college when I was working with Larry and and, and V actually, it was like a student project. We, we, (laughs) we, we worked on it. We had an idea. We worked for like three, four months. We Uh, were the underdogs. We were the underdogs (laughs) as in the teacher the week before said uh, to a like announcing that this other team was going to be the one, like this is the team that I think is going to have the best. I don't know if that was on purpose. It felt like it was directed to us in a way because he was <laughs> looking at us and there was
0: three other groups. We're throwing but, down the gauntlet for you guys. Yeah, but Serious. it was
2: it was fun. Like just that, that project was the funnest time I had because we ended up being the highest graded group. Maybe that success kind of topped it off, but it was the experience that we had from that. And it was just four of us in a room and we cranked it out and it was cool. And that was a student. A, a student project, right? It was unprofessional. I'm sure we looked back, it was totally sloppy. <laughs> but I think it was the, the, the friendship that was... Um, that made cemented it at the time. So I, yeah. I think like my whole stretch of the career, I'm I'm trying to get back to that. I'm trying to find that again. And so I can totally understand what you're saying. Like telling your teacher at second grade or whatever to, <laughs> that you're not doing your homework. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that's I I, can,
0: I totally understand. Yeah, I, I listened to your guys' podcast with V. Obviously, you know yeah. My, yeah. my buddy there, I'm gonna listen to that one. Yeah. And you guys, oh my God, you sounded so much like my friends back in my college, and and uh, going through classes, you know, going through you know group projects with them and stuff. It sounded like you had such so much fun. Yeah,
2: I think it's just if you find the right people, I tell Larry this all the time. You're going through the industry, you're kind of just finding people to recruit later. <laughs> you're just making this yeah. list <laughs> that you want to work with later. Um, so I think I think all of us kind of want that. Just a small group, being able to have everyone's opinions count and then just commit to an idea and then just, you know, make it as successful as you can. And to me that even if you have like a huge game that is world renowned, just having that little success is at least to me is a bit more meaningful
0: at my stage.
2: At this stage, <laughs> maybe a few yeah, years it, back, I would be different. You
0: know, it's it's really insightful, like th- that you've gotten to that point because there's so many people in this industry that, um, you know, they get hung up on like, oh, I want to work on this project because it's huge, and my mom will know what it is, and <laughs> and I remember feeling that way too. But after you've been through the ringer a bunch, you start realizing that it's it's like it's the 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 people that you're there with and those moments that that really kind of make it worth it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it takes that, that those years of experience to try and figure that out, you know? Yes. We're all
1: seeking to add value to our life in our own ways, but it's funny how your understanding or your definition of value changes as you gain more experience, as you go down roads, you realize like, dang, I wish I was still home, but you don't know that while you've only experienced home, that's the thing, you know? So it does require the journey and the growth. Mm Yeah. I guess, give you that
2: perspective. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What home means is always changing too. (laughs) Exactly. Also true. Oh, speaking of perspective, what, what is, uh,
2: what is your day like now, uh, compared to everything else?
0: Oh, uh,
2: I drunk 24 (laughs) (laughs)
0: seven. I mean, I,
2: I, I, yeah, I imagine there's a lot of flexibility now. So,
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I usually work from home one day a week where I just sit at this desk and I churn out some stuff, which is so amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, You know, just not having to deal with the commute and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I've, I've got, you know, I can talk to the guys at work anytime I want. Um, but you know, when I do go in, it's, you know, go in at a normal time, you know, work my ass off while I'm there, but having fun while I'm doing it and, Mm -hmm. and then go home, put the kids to bed and hang out with the wife for a while, play some Zelda. But um, it's, it's a good life. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a peaceful life. And, and, um, you know, I get to, while I'm at work, I get to rig one day or I'm animating another day, or I'm writing a new tool for myself another day that I really wanted to learn how to do, or maybe model a character, which I really don't actually like, but, um, <laughs> it's a good knowledge base to have, um, doing some point weighting, maybe working with one, with, uh, one of our designers on, um, you know, how to hook up, you know, booba bowls or you know get these animations working in game and it's it's pretty easy going. Like is pretty low stress with all of that, which is it's the first time in my life I can honestly say it's been pretty low stress.
1: Congratulations man that's uh
0: a, yeah a lot of people shoot
2: for that and don't get it. We're so happy for <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those lines. We're so happy. <laughs>
0: We should do a podcast just on that <laughs> from Hawaii. You now we should all just go to Hawaii and do a podcast. There we go. There we go. Coolest podcast ever. I'll
1: tell you what. Our 500th podcast will be from Hawaii. Mark my words. Can
0: I come
2: if we hit 500? Well, yeah, you can come. You can pay for it too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's going to be my gift to uh, Brandon and myself. Is
2: yeah. I mean, like one of the biggest reasons why we love doing what we're doing is interviewing guys like you. Cause it gives us hope (laughs) we're hearing more and more. That's the cool thing. Like at maybe the first few years when the iPhone came out, you heard a friend of a friend just made a a, a project and now they're working from home. They're doing their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's just, it's becoming more and more frequent where I'm hearing my friends directly making the jump, getting funding and they're doing some project on their own. So it's really cool. Like I, I feel like slowly, but surely um, for the people, at least, who are looking for things outside of AAA or you know, at a secure place, that there's an avenue now. There, there's a there's hope, or, or or there's a way at least to do other things. Before it was tough. I'm sure you remember. It's like it's either this or this, uh, but now we have a lot of choices,
0: a lot of options, which is really cool. Yeah, even the big studios are um, like Bungie. I crunched a quite a bit at Bungie for Halo Reach, mm-hmm. and even when Destiny started, we crunched a bit. But even big studios are getting it. It's like yeah. I didn't crunch in my last two years at Bungie, and they really start valuing family and and you know the work life balance, and you know so many studios are starting to go that direction now. Mm-hmm. And I think they realize that, oh, you're going to get a better output from people. They're going to be more passionate. They're going to be more involved. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, they're starting to see that that does improve the bottom line in some ways. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, you don't have to go indie to to have mm-hmm. this experience. I pretty much had this at Bungie, too. I was actually quite happy there. Um, uh, you know, big studios come with more um, uh, political stuff that go along with it. But Bungie was really low drama when it came to like big studios, like they're really easy to work with really great studios. So you can get this anywhere. It's just, I think it's a mindset. And I think it's, it's an, just embracing the reality of, of where you, you, you are at and, and the situation at hand.
2: Yeah, totally agree. Like I, everywhere I work now, I'm like, I'm not crunching. So let's plan <laughs> yep. correctly. <laughs> you got me for eight hours. <laughs> so yep. Let's do this. <laughs> let's have
0: some fun. Let's make yeah, this on. Let's do this.
2: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's that now.
1: Well, there is one thing that we can do. Uh it has been an hour, Richard. You've been podcasting with us, telling wonderful stories and sharing advice. I know the animation audience is going to be thankful. But because of this, we would like to turn over control of our audience to you for just a minute. You're you know, if you have something that you're working on, if you have something you'd like to promote
0: or draw attention to, uh, the floor is yours. Awesome. Thank you. Um, well, you know, I talked about poly plenty, but, um, you know, I, I wanted to actually talk about something more serious, uh, for something like this. Um, I have a family member who, um, has been suffering from cancer for many, many years now, and she's been working hard to, to beat it. Um, Donate to cancer research. I'm sure everyone's got the same story I just told. Um, everyone's got that family member and it may be you someday. It may be me someday. Um, donate to cancer research. It's probably one of the most important topics in, in human history. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a disease that's, that's killing way more people than damn near anything else these days. Um, uh, there's plenty of places to to donate to. Uh, I'm not going to prescribe one over the other, um, but uh, do your homework, you know, and, and. Yep, that's about as good as I'm going to get with that. Um, yeah. I'm terrible at doing this application. So. Right,
1: but we definitely second the message behind what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, it's good to know that there are people who are out there willing to be charitable and donate some money towards cancer research, but also think about the people who need that funding or the people's lives who it's going to help. Right. Mm -hmm. So definitely hundred percent seconded by game dev unchained. Uh, We will be donating to cancer research as well uh, from the podcast. Uh, Probably not a whole lot because it's from our pockets, but it'll be what we can offer. (laughs) So
2: Yeah, we're still a free podcast, by the way. (laughs) But we'll do what we can.
0: Well, you know, those people at cancer research, you know, they're also doing what they love for a living. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is their dream job. So we've got to support them, you know?
1: Yeah. Amen. It's been a pleasure, guys. It's been a real pleasure. Definitely. It's been a pleasure. Now that we're friends, I feel like we're tight. But it's Larry Charles. I'm saying goodnight.
2: Hey, this is Brandon Fam. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you again, guys.
1: That was awesome. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash dev unchained.